Good morning. It is good to see you. It's good to worship our God together with you. Welcome to White Plains Baptist Church. My name is Gary, and I joyfully serve as the senior pastor here. And if you're new to us, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest. I have been praying for you this week, and you are an answer to prayer. I pray that your circumstances, whatever has happened this week, has made you sense God's presence in your life, and that you are aware of his love for you. As our guest, I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Thank you again for being our guest uh, this morning. Kids, it's always good to see you here at church. Um, we have another outdoor movie coming up in about a month, and I need your help uh, for this one. It's going to be on September 22nd, and I need, I need your help to think of a good movie that we could watch together that you would want to bring your friends and cousins to to come watch outside. So be thinking about a good movie that you'd want to invite your friends and cousins to come watch outside and let your kids' church teachers know, okay? So you've got a little bit of time to think about it from here to upstairs to consider that. But I want you to also think about this. We're thinking about, and I pause a little bit because... I want our adults to pay attention to this, too, to let me know what they think. Um, we're thinking about having a, a place for us to roast hot dogs and marshmallows for this event also. And so think about that. Would that be fun with some adult supervision to cook some dinner out on the open fire uh, while you're watching a movie and uh, enjoying the nice fall, soon-to-be fall weather, I'm hoping? All right, so you guys got some things to think about. I'm glad you're here, but you're dismissed to go on up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for kids uh, in kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, parents and grandparents, you'll be able to pick them up after our service is over in the lobby. We're going to continue to be in Jude. We'll be in verses 8 through 10 this morning as we continue in our series, Unfollow. We're spending five weeks going through this short letter. This is week three, so... After this week, we'll be over halfway done. This is a short letter that we're studying in Jude. We're studying it verse by verse to really understand it and apply it and look at what Jude is saying to the church he's writing to. Now, this letter says some difficult things. But if there's anything or any book that should be able to tell us difficult things, the Bible should tell us to be able to tell us difficult things. This morning, this is, the Bible in Jude is going to tell us some difficult things. In fact, this is perhaps one of the hardest sermons I've prepared for while I've been your pastor to walk through these, short, these three short verses. And it's been, it's been difficult for me to do this because it, it will speak to us. Um, and I know that there are many good, faithful Christians here that what Jude will tell us, it'll make you think, I'm trying to pick on you. And I'm not trying to pick on you by any means. With what we're looking at here in Jude, I'm not intending to make anyone feel embarrassed or to make you feel bad, but just to bring up what Jude says so that we can look at what the Bible's telling us and see if we're living our life in response to what Jude has for us. And so, like I said, this has been a difficult week in preparation for this, but the Bible is constantly scrutinized. The world continually tries to discount and discredit the Bible. And so let's look at the Bible this morning. 
Because the church that doesn't know and doesn't live by the Bible is going to be a church that will ultimately unfollow Jesus. This is why we're spending so much time with this often ignored letter of the New Testament. Because we don't want to be the one who unfollows the one we've been called to follow. As your pastor, I don't want you to let the world sneak into your mind and lead you away. And I'm using the Bible through this series to point out to you how others attempt to lead you to follow your own desires, your own opinions, your own feelings, your own thoughts, and your own sin. None of us are immune to the temptation of following a false teacher or false teaching. Let's look at Jude, verses 8 through 10. Again, we're going to read through the English Standard Version and the New Living uh, Translation as we look at what Jude is writing. This is, uh, these passages are in your notes. And as a reminder, the ESV is a word-for-word translation approach. They're, they take the original language, in this case Greek, and give us a word-for-word translation where the New Living Translation is attempting to give us a meaning-for-meaning translation of the, of the original language. Both are good. And as we look at difficult concepts and difficult things, I think it's important for us to look at both if we don't know what the original languages are saying. So here's the ESV, Jude 8 through 10. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Now let's look at the New Living Translation there in your, in your bulletin. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at the things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. Let's pray in response to what we just read. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jude and his desire for the church to not be misled by false teachers. Lord, I pray for us this morning as we consider what your word has for us. Help us to consider our thoughts and consider our words, our actions, and what we're inputting and what we're outputting, Lord, help us to live according to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, many of you may be thinking that I'm focusing too much on false teaching in this series. You may be thinking that I am picking on people, perhaps, that aren't here to defend themselves, or, and they have the appearance of godliness. And those are fair things to think about, but I am not naming anyone's name specifically when it comes to false teachers. Instead, I'm trying to attempt to give you things to look out for so that you can discern what is, what is false teaching, perhaps maybe in your life, um, that 
with folks that you may be allowing in your mind, through your ears, through your eyes. I am equipping you to discern what you hear and from whom you hear it, whether they be down the road or online. Plus, warning against false teaching is a common and reoccurring theme in the New Testament. And I'm just following along with our New Testament writers about these warnings and descriptions. Almost all of the New Testament writers, including Jesus himself, dealt with false teaching and false teachers. As they dealt with them, some of the New Testament authors did name names. They all, none of them, treated false teachers lightly. In fact, you see some of the most strongest emotions and attitudes of our New Testament writers when they deal with false teachers. I've included a chart in your notes featuring just a sample of the passages where the New Testament authors are dealing with false teachers and false teaching. So to ignore this topic of false teachers and false teaching is to ignore a large part of what the New Testament has written for us. Jude wanted to write a letter to his church or the people he was writing to to encourage them in their salvation. But he had to write a different letter because of the false teaching that was in their church. And that's what we have in the letter of Jude. So let me give you a quick breakdown of Jude so far. In his letter, he spent the first four verses defining the problem and setting the problem of false teachers. Last week, we looked at verses 5 through 7, where Jude gave us some warnings from the Old Testament. And this week, in verses 8 through 10, Jude is applying these warnings to the false teachers. So let's look at verse 8 together. Yet, in like manner, these people, the false teachers, also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Jude describes false teachers as using a different authority than the Bible. False teachers use a different authority than the Bible for their teaching, for their application, and their activity. Instead of using the Hebrew Bible and Jesus' teachings, they use other things. They use their dreams, according to Jude here, to teach and live. It is always dangerous when someone looks to anything other than the Bible to teach spiritual matters. It's always dangerous when someone looks at anything other than the Bible to teach on spiritual matters. Did God speak in dreams? Yes. Biblically, we have that for us. God spoke in, his dream, in dreams. Does he still do that? Probably. There's no reason given to us in Scripture that says he would do it differently now. He probably does still speak to people in their dreams. If you've ever sensed God speaking to you in a dream, or in the way of many false teachers will say it, given you a word, you can be sure that that word will never contradict Scripture. If God gives you something in a dream, it will always be backed by what is in Scripture. If it does not, it is not from God. If it doesn't go along with what Scripture says, you can be sure it is not from God. If you ever receive a word in a dream or in any other way, 
and it does not agree with what's already recorded in the Bible, you are not hearing from God. It might be coming from your inner sinful nature, or it might be coming from a dark spiritual force. Those are the options. Jude is bringing up a problem with these false teachers that's still alive and well today. These false teachers, by using their dreams as their authority, they are appealing to subjective reasoning. Now, we live in a post-truth culture. That's no secret. You and I live in a world where the truth is debated. The Oxford Languages defines post-truth as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. In our post-truth society, truth can mean whatever you want it to mean, as long as you're sincere. With phrases like your truth and my truth, we have turned opinions into truths. This is the result of our culture's sinful preference to subjective reasoning, where we define the truth of an object or a fact by what we personally believe it is or to be. If I came to you on a Sunday morning and said, God spoke to me last night in a dream and we should do whatever, be very wary of that. If I ever do that, be very careful of what comes next and make sure that it comes from the Bible as well. If it's, if, unless it's backed up by an objective truth find a, uh, found in the Bible, be very cautious of a statement like that. Objective reasoning removes the truth of the object or fact from the person and only deals with the truthfulness of that statement and fact. We, as Christians, must appeal to the Bible as our authority. It is the rule of faith. It is our ultimate authority. The Bible gets to define truth for us because it's God's words to us, even if we don't like what it says. This is why it's important for us, for you and I, to know the Bible. Maybe you haven't had a dream. Maybe you haven't heard from God in a way that you want to attribute something to God. But be sure there are people all over the internet and probably in our community who are actively trying to lead Christians away from God by appealing to subjective reasoning. False teachers need you to not be in the Bible. False teachers can only thrive if you don't know your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible is clear. There are many who will come and attempt to lead us away from the truth. The Bible gives us things to watch out for. If their teaching doesn't line up with the Bible, that teacher is a false teacher. If their lifestyle doesn't line up with the Bible, beware. They very much could be a false teacher by the way they're living. False teachers are rebelling against God. I have a list from Jude of the rebellious sins that many false teachers 
have for you to look out for. In your, in your notes there, rebellious sins of false teachers. First, they please their flesh. This is all from Jude. They please their flesh. Secondly, they reject authority. And third, they're dis- disrespectful. They please their flesh. They reject authority and they are disrespectful. False teachers will please their flesh and teach you it's okay for you to do it also. They will give you more freedom than what the Bible allows. As Jude puts it, they pervert the grace of God. They will also reject authority. Now, we're all prone to make ourselves the authority of our lives. It's a very American thing for us to do that. We reject anything that threatens our authority oftentimes. It's a temptation for all of us. False teachers will openly reject authority. Now, what are some authorities that false teachers will reject? First is the Bible. They will add to the Bible or not show the whole Bible. They will limit the Bible. They will reject the authority of the Bible. They also reject the authority of the government. Paul says this in Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now this was a big deal during COVID, especially as it um, broke out with how pastors responded to the government's authority. It wasn't an easy time for anybody. And there were some pastors who clearly violated Romans 13, not just in Kentucky, but all over the country and and all over the world, really. I wasn't here, so I don't know who did what. I'm not saying anyone here locally was a false teacher because of the way they acted uh, in COVID. I don't know what happened. But I just bring this up to let you know to be aware Beware of pastors and teachers who reject authority. They will lead you into rebellion if they are rebelling already. Lastly, false teachers are disrespectful. Jude says the false teachers blaspheme the glorious ones. Now this is referring to humans speaking casually and without concern to demons. Now that's weird, isn't it? I mean, if, if there's anything or anyone that Christians should be able to trash talk, it should be demons, shouldn't it be? Those are the bad guys, but apparently not. The New Living Translation says that false teachers scoff at supernatural beings in Jude. Let's look at this a little closer to understand why. This is important because I think this... This is what shows up in the lives of many well-meaning Christians rather easily. We all have probably scoffed at supernatural beings or blaspheme a demon because we were taught to or we've seen it done by others and so we just do the same thing. My intention again is not to embarrass you or make you feel bad in any way It's for us to look at what the Scripture says, and my hope is that you and I can grow in our understanding and application of God's Word to us. 
Let's look at verse 9 as Jude drills down a little bit on the disrespectfulness of false teachers by giving us this illustration. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now this is an odd passage because it's speaking about something that's not included in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory about what's happening here. There's some debate about what happened to the body of Moses after he died. There's some debate because the Bible doesn't tell us much. Here's what it does say in Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 34, 5 through 6. So Moses, the son of the Lord, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no, no one knows the place of his burial to this day. This is pretty much what we have in the Bible. Now the common thought, according to this passage, is that Moses died, and God had Michael bury him in an unmarked tomb so that Moses' tomb would not become a shrine for the people of Israel. Now this is consistent with what we know about the people of Israel according to the Bible. They are an idol-making people who quickly forget what God has done for them. Now Jude also alludes to something that's been lost to history. But at the time that Jude wrote was widely known and it was a trusted event. What Jude brings up is, the thought, is thought to be part of an ancient non-biblical writing called the Assumption of Moses, or the Testament of Moses. Now the problem is, what we have in the Assumption of Moses doesn't include anything related to what Jude is talking about here. We only have fragments of this document. And that passage in Jude isn't there. But regardless of where this passage came from, this passage is in the letter of Jude, and so it is biblical, and we can consider it part of the biblical narrative. So what is it telling us? What is this, this passage between Michael and the devil telling us? Don't disrespect demons. Don't blaspheme them. Don't scoff at them. Don't pronounce judgment on them, at least not yet. Be patient. That day for the Christian will come, but it's not here yet. Michael is arguing with the devil over the body of Moses. And what does he do? He says, the Lord rebuke you. False teachers may lead us to believe that we have authority that we currently don't have when it comes to the power over the devil and demons. And this is where I think you and I have mimicked probably the ways we've been taught. We've, been, we've mimicked people who've taught us an improper statement or an improper prayer. It's common practice for many Christians to pray. That's a good thing. We should pray. But in our prayers, sometimes we change the direction and redirect our words and say something like, Satan, I bind you from blank. We've, we probably all have said that in a prayer. We've heard people, including pastors, pray something like that. 
Now, the thought behind this is a good thought. The thought behind this is a proper thing to do. But we're praying, we're praying for God to not to allow the devil to cause trouble or pain when we're praying that way. We are praying for God to not allow the devil to cause trouble or pain when we're praying for Satan to be bound. The prayer is a good prayer, but when we pray to bind Satan, we are praying incorrectly. Did you know that there is nowhere in the Bible that teaches that you and I have authority to bind Satan? That, that is not taught in Scripture. Again, with all gentleness that I have, I believe that when we pray to bind Satan, we're just mimicking something we, we have seen taught and done before. I don't think we're intentionally trying to do something that the Bible is telling us that we don't have the authority to do. There's only one reference in the Bible to anyone binding Satan, and that's in Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2. Now, this binding is only temporary also. Let's look at this passage in Revelation 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding his, in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. This is the only place in the Bible where Satan is bound. And it's a temporary binding. A false belief that many Christians have is that we have the ability to bind Satan. And we don't. Now you may be thinking of passages like Matthew 18, 18. That's good. Anytime someone says what you believe is not in the Bible, look to the Bible to see if that belief is in the Bible. That is important. That is a good way to discern if you're being lied to or being misled. Matthew 18, 18 says this, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's more. There's other passages that talk like this. Matthew 16, 19 says it this way, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, if these verses don't give us permission to bind Satan, what is it they're giving us permission to bind and loose? Context is king. Context matters. Whenever we take a passage out of its context, we can quickly create a false belief or a false teaching. In fact, most of the false teaching that the church suffers with is when the Bible is taken out of context. Context is king. Matthew 18, 18 is in the context of forgiving another Christian who sins against you. You can look it up. You can read the passage, the before and after, and see if that's right. It's about forgiving a Christian who sins against you. And when you forgive a Christian of a sin that they brought on you, you are forgiving them on earth 
and in heaven. Matthew 16, 19 is in the context of Peter getting the keys of the kingdom. This also refers to forgiveness of sin. It's about the gospel. The Catholics think this is about the Pope, the foundation of the Pope, but a clear reading of the context is about the gospel and Peter's statement about who Jesus is. Good study Bibles and good commentaries will always help you pull from the context, pull out the truth that's being there, but a simple reading in context helps you see that the binding and loosening has nothing to do with our authority over demons or the devil. When Michael was dealing with the devil over Moses' body, he did not bind the devil. Jesus did not bind Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness after the baptism of Jesus. If they didn't bind the devil, then we probably don't have that authority or ability to do that because you would think Jesus could and possibly Michael. So in your notes, remember your position. Remember your position. You are a created person loved by God. Michael, an angel, the highest angel, a messenger of God stayed within his position of authority. Earlier, we saw where the fallen angels left their position of authority. We see that when you stay in your position, that's obedience. And when you leave your position and go outside of your position, that's disobedience. False teachers will appeal to you to leave your position. Remember your position. The second thing there is to remember God's authority. God is the creator. He is the one who sends the angel in Revelation 20 to bind Satan. God has the authority to keep you and to protect you. God has the authority to do that. Now, I understand, again, when people pray to bind Satan, they're asking God for his protection. And that's good. That's proper. We should ask God for his protection for whatever we're praying for. And when you pray for God's protection, you don't have to give him options. God knows his options. You don't have to pray for him to send angels or to provide a hedge of protection or anything like that. What he can do. You can just pray for God's protection. Remember that God has the authority. These false teachers, they reject authority, including God's authority. Let's move on to verse 10. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Now, it seems like as you're reading through this, Jude is getting a little bit upset with these false teachers who are perverting the grace of God. He's, he says that they slander everything they don't understand. Namely, they're, um, I'm sorry, they slander everything they understand and they are destroyed by things they do understand, namely their primitive instincts. Jude compares these false teachers to unreasoning animals in the way they act. 
Like these unreasoning animals, they instinctively act in line with their nature. This week I was in my office over in the brick building and I was coming over here probably to find a cookie. Um, but um, I, was, I left the brick building and I was coming over to this building and, and there was a rather large squirrel in front of the doors here to this building, right over here. Now I'm not scared of squirrels, I've got squirrels all over my yard, but this one was a rather large squirrel, so I took notice of it. It was oddly big. And he was facing the window of the door and he could see the lobby. And I must have spooked him because he immediately tried to go through the window into the lobby as a way to escape. And he tried for, it seems like 30 minutes, but it's probably three seconds. All I would do is see him just trying to bounce through the, the window. He could see there was something beyond something he couldn't see. He didn't, he didn't reason. He, he didn't think there's a window in front of me. He didn't look right or left where he could have uh, jumped off easily and ran away. It took him a minute, I guess probably when his head hit the window and it was forced to look another way, he then went left. Jude is comparing these false teachers to that scared squirrel who saw that glass door and tried to go through it repeatedly. The squirrel didn't know any better. False teachers generally don't know any better. You and I, we should be different. We should know better. We are created in God's image. We are saved by Jesus. We are given a purpose to make disciples and be an ambassador to, to the community for our God. We shouldn't act like unreasoning animals, and we shouldn't blindly follow false teachers. At one time in my life, if something or someone claimed to be Christian, I thought it was safe. As I grew in my understanding of the Bible and of God, I realized that Jesus said the truth when he said that there are wolves pretending to be sheep in the world of Christianity. My eyes were opened to the falseness of television preachers who were rejecting the authority of the Bible and telling me to name it and claim it like God owed me something and all I had to do was believe a little harder for it. My eyes were opened to the falseness of the idolatry of handkerchiefs that were prayed over by a television preacher that he would gladly send to me and deliver blessing to me if I gave him a little bit of a donation. My eyes were opened to authors and musicians in the name of Christian music and books telling me that they weren't, telling me things that, that weren't in the Bible but sounded good. Sometimes they rhymed and they appealed to my senses that still confuse people today. All things that say they are Christian are not. We as Christians should beware. False teachers will lead people away. How do you know? if you've been or are being led away from a false, by a false teacher. First, watch what you say. Look at the things you're saying. Are you saying things that aren't in the Bible, but you're saying them with thinking that they have the same authority as the Bible? Are you encouraging or teaching others things that aren't in the Bible? If so, you might be being influenced by a false teacher. Secondly, watch what you think. 
Maybe you're not teaching others, but you might be believing things that aren't in the Bible like they are in the Bible. Are you thinking about God in ways that he hasn't revealed? If so, you might be influenced by a false teacher. If any of these are true for you, what can you do? Grow in your understanding. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Know the Bible. You might need to fast from other types of influences for a time, like online preachers or music or other books. You might need to fast for a while to grow in your understanding of what the Bible says. As you grow in your understanding of the Bible, submit to it. 1 Timothy 3 says that as your pastor, I am to be, among other things, gentle and able to teach. Now, I realize that Jude continues to tell us hard things. I am attempting to teach you the things that Jude is telling his church audience. And I'm trying with all gentleness to do that in hopes that you will not be defensive to what God has for you in his word. We all have people telling us false things. We all allow many of those voices to remain in our ears because they tell us things that we want to hear. This morning, I am gently asking you to fight for the faith, to contend for your faith. Consider what and who you are allowing in your mind. Ask yourself, are they speaking truthfully or falsely to you? I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Now, this goes for internet preachers, Christian music, Christian authors, online Bible study leaders, Christian friends at work, and Christian social media influencers. If they are from God, they will withstand the scrutiny of the Bible. If they are from God, they will point you back to the Bible and to Jesus. If they don't pass that scrutiny of the Bible, let them go. If they don't pass the scrutiny that you're giving them with Scripture, as hard as it may be and as difficult as you may not want it to happen, stop giving them access to your mind. Jesus says in Matthew, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits. Follow Jesus. Jesus loves you. And he will never lead you away from his word. Jesus is the one who died for you and paid the price for you and your sin that you could not pay for yourself. Follow Jesus. Will you stand as we pray? God, we thank you for this difficult letter of Jude. We thank you for the hard truths you're giving us. Lord, I pray that we would look to Jesus And that we would follow him. We would look to Jesus in the Bible. Help us to read it, to know it, and to understand it. Thank you for this gift of grace. Thank you for Jesus and all he does for us. To his name we pray. Amen.